Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's podcast is the Strategia Worldwide, who we've had on the podcast previously. Um, we recorded an episode back in June 2020. So feel free to go back to um, that episode as well, maybe um, either before or after listening to this one, um, because obviously that was over 15, 15 16 months ago. Um, and today we've got two guests on the show. Um, First is Ian Pickard, who is the partner, and we've also got um, Edward Haslam, who's the head of uh, mining. Um, Strategia Worldwide helps clients build resilience and protects uh, value by understanding, testing, and managing risk in um, various industries, um, but mainly in mining. Um, they've come, they're coming onto the podcast today to talk about 24-7 tailings monitoring um, solutions that they're going to be rolling out um, managing tailing risks on a global standard. So that's welcome, Ian and Edward, to the podcast. How are you doing, guys? Yep. Hi, Rob. Doing very well, thank you. Good to be back on the um, the Big Deeper podcast again. Yeah, and, and I appreciate <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate you guys coming back on as well. So, um, and especially around this particular, well, important topic. Um, around obviously uh, tailings and tailings monitoring, um, which obviously you're going to explain in more detail um, as we go through this podcast. So, um, first of all, just wondered if you can give us a brief overview um, of each of you, obviously your careers. Ian, obviously we've recorded something before, so if you can give us a, a brief overview and then um, and then Edward afterwards. Uh, Rob, thanks. So, hello everybody. My name's Ian Picard. Um, I'm the co-founder, co-managing partner of Strategia. We, we set, set the firm up uh, six years ago to do the things that Rob just described. Uh, before that, uh, I spent 20 years as a professional soldier in various parts of the world, then went in the insurance industry with Marsh, Aon, uh, CRO for Marsh's UK domestic operations, latterly into consulting, and realised a little over 10 years ago now that, that, that there was a gap really in the mining market for people that took a comprehensive view of risk. Uh, but what we're focused on today is one very specific risk uh, and that we've got a solution for, but we'll, we'll talk more about that. And Edward? Yeah, um, Rob, for me, I'm, uh, um, I was CEO of a FTSE 100 mining company, um, retired from that. I've been in mining pretty well all my life, but it's one way or another. Um, I retired as CEO of, um, of uh, a FTSE 100 mining company, and since then I've had a series of uh, non-executive appointments, which have been variously chair, uh, senior, independent, uh, and they're all of mining companies, um, base metal and precious metal mining, platinum group metals, nickel and base metals, and, and gold. Um, so... Uh, those are my uh, credentials, which led to me being uh, heading uh, Strategia's um, mining uh, mining department, mining uh, uh, yeah department. Yeah. Okay, just wondered if um, uh, maybe Ian or Edward, probably Ian, um, just wanted to give us a quick snapshot of 
Strategia, just uh, in case people haven't listened to the previous episode. Sure. Um, so we're a global risk advisory firm. We've got about uh, 120 or so senior advisors, associates around the world. Um, we help people understand and manage their risks. Um, we help them with crisis management. Um, we, 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 we help them uh, by providing uh, what we call business gaming, war gaming, if you like. Uh, and we help them design strategies to manage risk. And um, we do any one or all of those things for our various clients. Uh, we also have technology solutions, and one of those I want to focus on today, which is around, around tailing risk. Um, our people really fall into three schools. There are the industry experts, which clearly Edward is, is, is one. There aren't many people around who know more about mining than, than Edward does. Um, uh, we then have the, uh, the technical experts. We've got environmental scientists. We've got social performance experts. We've got security experts. Um, uh, we've got uh, very experienced mining experts. We've got mine, technical mining expertise. Um, and then we have uh, the regional experts, people who really know West Africa, East Africa, the Horn of Africa, Latin America, Argentina, Chile, um, the, the, the Balkans, uh, South Asia, uh, Central Asia, um, China now as well, actually. So, and then we finally bring those three people together, those three skill sets together, you, you've got a very powerful combination. Um, and then we use our we use that those skills in combination with our methodology to to, to help our clients protect the protect their that the value of their assets. Yeah. So obviously this podcast is around uh, tailings monitoring. Um, so f- sort of first question: Why are tailings such an issue um, in the industry at the moment? Um, I think that's for me, Rob. So uh, um, off on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I think there's a, obviously a variety of reasons um, to to explain why it's such a big issue at the moment. But I think for the purposes of this podcast, I'll probably highlight three of them. Um, and first, it's quite clearly the result um, of the, the consequences of um, several very high-profile dam-related issues um, for example, of Rumadina, I think more than 240 people died, which is the extreme end of the of the catastrophes. Um, but this has sort of led to a significant, and I, I actually think a very justified pressure being brought about on mine owners and mine managers to improve the monitoring and the management of, of, of TSFs, so TSFs acronym for tailings, dams, tailing storage facilities, which I'll refer to TSFs um, throughout the, uh, the the replies. And then second, I think uh, it's as a result of the investor community. Um, I think we think that collectively the um, the investor community is probably responsible for around $14 trillion worth of investment in mining. And again, I think quite rightly, in my view, um, has focused its attention on TSFs with the, um, with the intention of mitigating the risk of any repeat disasters. And then third, um, I think it's um, the insurance industry uh, and it's their reaction to these events, um, making TSF risks virtually uh, impossible to insure. And the knock-on effect that that's had on the mining in 
mining insurance generally um, has even extended to include DNO cover. And you'll find most mining companies at the moment are exercised by the massive increase in insurance premium. Um, and we believe that a lot of that is, is related to um, tailings dam failures. Um, I think uh, as far as the, um, the, the investing community is concerned, I'd probably refer also to the, it's really of interest to note that the Church of England survey um, recently published, although I think it's not been independently verified, it indicates that actually over a third of the world's tailings dam facilities, the TSFs, are at high risk of causing catastrophic damage in the end of fa- in, in the event of failure. So it's a combination of all of those, I think, which uh, has made it pretty well the top of one of the top priorities of mine management at the moment, and why tailings have become such an issue uh, in the industry at the moment. Okay, and Ian, do you, do you want to add anything to that? No, I think Edward summed that up pretty well. Um, uh, you know, mining gets a bad press anyway, and this is just an issue that people can latch on to and say, this is why miners are getting it wrong um, and, and why it's so important that miners get it right. And we'll, we can talk more about that. Yes. Um, and does the problem just apply to sort of operational dams? Um, or any other kind of dams, or what's about legacy dams? Well, that's a very good question. Um, Yes, of course, it applies to operational dams, but about two-thirds of the world's dams are are no longer in use. Um, And there are literally hundreds, if not thousands, of dams around the world, um, which are now closed um, and are now what are called legacy dams. And in many ways, they're the most highest-risk ones because they're not being maintained. But the companies that, that own them still keep the liability, and they have closed the mine, I'm afraid that liability does not go away. And we know instances in particularly countries like Chile, uh, where uh, communities are really worried about these dams. They're surrounded by them, and there's a lot of political and social pressure and issues around them. So the whole legacy dam issue is a, is a big issue. Um, and and the, the things we're talking about, understanding the risks to the, to the dam and putting appropriate monitoring in place, applies just as much to these as it does to the, if not more so, than the operational dams. Okay, I was just going to ask a question. So, some of these companies that own these legacy dams, are they fully aware of the risks that they're that they're under with these with these dams that are not in use, or are they sort of just not necessarily taking full responsibility? Well, good question. Um, I'm sure the responsible companies do, but I'm equally sure there's a lot of companies that that you know uh, are, are probably aren't as aware aware of it their legacy dams. Um, I mean, everybody's got them, so I suspect it, it, it varies. I don't know. What, what do you think, Eddie? Well, I, I think it's quite interesting to note that I, I'm sure this is correct. Uh, the the Brumadino Dam with the two, 240 fatalities was actually a legacy dam in the, in, in, the, um, uh, in that no additional material was being added to the dam at the time, and it was in the process of being decommissioned. So if you want an example of a legacy dam liability, I think uh, you could probably argue that Brumadino is one. Yeah, yeah. And at the last count, uh, the costs associated with with Brumadino, um, litigation, fines, insurance, what have you, uh, was somewhere around $6 billion, which is an eye-watering amount of money for any company. 
Yeah. And what's some of the issues with these legacy dams that they're not being maintained? Is there a common common issue? Well, as with all dams, it's a question of, of understanding the risks. So, I mean, Bromadino, the issue was liquefaction, um, not being dewatered when, the, when, the, when the, the moisture level rose in the dam. But every dam's different. So, you, firstly, you've got to understand the risks to that particular dam. Um, and the risks are the technical risks, uh, absolutely, um, the slope stability, all that sort of thing. But there are also the ESG risks, the potential impacts on downstream communities. Um, and all those communities changing shape. So if something happened, would it affect more people than it would have done previously? So you've got to take a you've got to take a sort of broad spectrum, broad, broad, broad aperture view of the risks around that particular facility. Okay. Um, what impact do you think uh, another major tailings dam uh, failure will have on on the on the industry? Oh gosh, well I think <laughs> a, a very great impact. I'm afraid. Um, I would say at least on, on at least two two levels going. I think first the for the company concerned uh, in that uh, uh, another major failure, um, the impact in all probability could be existential, and um, I mean obviously that would depend to 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 some extent on the geography of the um, the location of the tailings dam. But um, in existential threats, I, I, um, I regret to have to say I speak with a degree of certainty here because uh, I was personally involved in a TSF failure um, at a publicly listed company. And as a consequence, that company did end in administration. And, and in fact, criminal charges were brought against the CEO, which happily I wasn't. But... Uh, he received a six-month suspended prison sentence. So, um, if you if you're looking for impact, that's a fairly significant impact on the company level. But then, on another level, in respect of the mining industry in general, um, I think that the one of the obvious impacts would be an increase in the cost of capital, because um, investors would be increasingly reluctant to invest if there were another major uh, TSF failure. And um, that, that would be, I think, very, a very significant uh, impact to the mining industry generally, and a very good reason why all the uh, things we'll talk about to manage tailings dam risk become more and more important. And possibly to go back to your first question, explains why it's an issue uh, at the present time. Yeah. And Ian, do you want to comment on that as well? Yes, I mean, even if we look at the latest failure, which is at the Katoka Dam in in Angola, which is is Angola's biggest diamond mine, um, uh, I mean, it's polluted uh, um, hundreds of miles of river down into the DRC um, uh, and poisoned people, but very poor communities. so it's not made a huge, a huge splash. However, and so I think the insurers at the moment think they're probably off the hook. Um, but what's interesting is the DRC government are now saying they're going to sue the company for environmental damages. So that one's not played out yet. Um, and let's see what impact that has on on Katoka. Um, I don't think it's going to end well for them, to be frank. Yeah. And do you think we're on the cusp of a, another disaster within, say, the next six or 12 months? Well, who knows? I mean, this one came left field. I mean, there's so many dams out there. 
um, that are not being well maintained. Um, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen next year. It might not happen another five years. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody even knows how many dams there are in the world. I mean, the, the Church of England survey came up with about 1,600, but no, uh, but no Chinese or Indian companies submitted any information. So, I mean, who knows? Thousands is the answer. Yeah. Um, that we don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, Edward, did you want to say something? No, I disagreed with him or, or, or what he said. And I think, uh, you know, and, and I think Russia also a lot of tanks down there, which may have not been reported. Okay, <laughs> so certainly a big issue then. Um, what impact is this issue having on sort of mining regulators, investors, and insurers around the world? Sure. Well, Ed was just spoken about investors, uh, and it's very interesting that one of the sponsors of the Global Industry Standard Attending Management is the Principles for Responsible Investment, who represent the big institutional investors, the pension funds and so on. So they are all over this, and they're watching it like a hawk. And, and, and as Edward says, you know, it, it's going to affect the cost of capital for companies uh, it, it, unless something is done to, to address this issue. Regulators is a really interesting one. Um, the, the, the Chilean mining regulator, Senator Diomin, uh, is well, not the regulator, it's the, it's, the, it's the parliament, the regulator will, will, will enforce it, is requiring 24-7 monitoring of telling stands with effect next year. This isn't a, can you do this, please? This is, if you want to keep your license, you've got to do it. And I think that's a trend we're going to see around the world. Um, so it's becoming a regulatory issue. Um, I mean, the global standard has now been published. And I think companies that want to get a license, attract capital, and I'll come on to insurance, have got to comply with it. And, and I don't think there's any way around that. And, and uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty demanding, actually, when you get into the detail. The insurance markets are very interesting. What's happening in the insurance markets is, on the back of San Marco and Bernardino, uh, a lot of insurers have left the market. Some of the big names have pulled out of, tailings, uh, pulled out of mining insurance but specifically out of, out of writing tailings risk. So there's, there's, there's less money in the market capacity, as they call it. So that pushes up prices. So prices are going through the roof. Uh, terms are going through the roof. Some people just can't get it. And then increasingly, the very best mines will, won't have an issue. The very bad mines would never have got it anyway. But there'll be a swathe of mines in the mid-tier of, 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 of OK mines, OK tailings facilities, who won't be able to get insurance at acceptable terms. And there's some very specific things we're beginning to see. Um, there's a thing called DNO insurance, directors and office insurance, which companies have to insure their directors from liability in case the company goes bust or something happens. We have seen an exclusion in a tailings facility uh, or in a DNO policy for tailings. So it said, we'll insure your directors for any sort of risk except a tailings failure. Well, and that's an existential risk for a public listed company. They have to have an NED. And if they can't attract one because they won't accept that risk, what are they going to do? So this is going to be, a, this is becoming a really big issue. Um, so what we do with our solution, we link it explicitly to the insurance markets. And we've briefed many mining underwriters, and I'll briefing them again in a couple of weeks, uh, and they're very supportive. They're saying this is the sort of evidence we need to give us the assurance that we essentially to manage correctly and then we can we can, we can write the risk okay and edward do you want to uh, uh comment on that as well uh no i, I nothing nothing more to add it, it, it's a fact of life and i've mentioned it already the insurance um 
is a is a serious issue um, with uh, within mining companies. I, I was also thinking, um, in addition, to the impact uh, of a, of another catastrophe. We shouldn't overlook the impact that it would have on the environment that uh, and the um, the communities that uh, may well be, but hopefully not badly affected by it. But uh, that's a, an, an impact which I omitted to mention. Okay. Um, so what, what do companies need to do to comply with the sort of new global industry standard for tailings management? Well, um, I think um, it's a question of time here, but I, I mean, the, the, uh, the standard, I think, from memory has 15 different principles and uh, it, it wouldn't be practical to go through each one of them now. Uh, and I do believe that many mining companies uh, will already be complying with, uh, with with possibly not all, but most of the 15 principles. At least one would hope that they would be. Um, I think there are just one or two areas where maybe additional attention might be appropriate. Um, if you look at principle one, which I think concerns the uh, the rights of um, um, affected people, um, which are just alluded to on the impact assessment. But the um, I think that that principle goes actually well beyond TSF management. It's, it's, it will require a company to um, undertake a, an independent analysis of the, uh, of the project, of the project's environmental risks and ensure that uh, there is effective communication with the affected parties, potentially affected parties. That would include TSF, but it would actually include probably a, a many, many other aspects of, of a mining project. Um, there is a, uh, another principle which requires, I think, to maintain um, the knowledge base necessary to support safe TSF management. Um, now, that will require companies to make sure that they're employing um, sufficient and appropriately qualified staff. That may not be the case. And to my experience to date, there are one or two examples where that's not the case and hasn't been the case to the detriment of the company. Um, there is a, um, a principle that asks for um, um, knowledge base uh, to inform the decisions throughout the cycle of the TSF, the various decisions that the board or the appropriate committees will make with respect to the TSF management. Um, there you would need um, to ensure that there is a structure that um, is uh, sufficient to, it has qualified members that are um, sufficiently equipped to advise on the decisions that the board will take on the TSF management. Um, and again, I speak from personal experience, you must ensure that whatever structure the company has in place is sufficiently empowered to make sure that the, its recommendations are carried out. And if they're not, to be explained to them why they're not doing it. Um, so it's a question of, a, of, of, of um, a structure which is properly qualified and properly empowered. Um, I think um, probably look at the um, design and implementation of operating monitoring systems, um, which is one of the principles, to manage risk at all phases of the, of the life cycle. Um, now, to comply with that, companies will need, I think, to um, arrange um, and install 
um, an independent, constant monitoring system which measures all the relevant parameters of the of the TSF and its environment, and we'll come on to that because um, you know this would, for example, would include the the very topical climate change at the moment everybody's talking about because the climate change will have an effect on the environment in which the TSF is 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 operating. Um, now, such systems as that um, have been developed, and they are commercially available now. And this, for me, is a fairly recent development that you can actually ensure 24-hour consistent, constant monitoring of your whatever parameters, including seismic um, you know, outside the TSF per se, or liquefaction that Ian mentioned earlier on, all these um, parameters can now be measured and can be assembled in a, in a form that any director or executive of the company would have immediate access to and can make decisions appropriately. That to me is a fairly new development and uh, and, and greatly to be welcomed. Um, now, there's one that simply says you should appoint and empower an engineer of record. Um, it's a fairly obvious one. Uh, I wonder if there are still mining companies out there that haven't appointed uh, or empowered an engineer of record. I suspect there are. That's a very, uh, very uh, straightforward principle in the in the uh, <clears throat> mining protocol. Um, and then I think we should look uh, possibly at um, the preparation of long-term recovery in the event of a catastrophic failure. Um, now, to comply with that requirement, uh, companies would have to consider, uh, I think, engaging an independent analysis. And I would describe that in the form of a, a what-if type scenario. It's what we're strategical wargaming, basically, where you um, you, you um, look at the, the, the possible scenarios. Um, and you know, this would alert boards if you did that and did it properly, properly structured to um, eventualities that are probably not, not considered. <laughs> I draw my own experience again, which doesn't speak very well for me, I have to say. But anyway, um, there was a case where um, the, uh, uh, a group of children decided to go for a swim in the TSF that I was responsible for on a hot day. Why wouldn't they? But they all drowned, which is, I mean, catastrophic and terrible thing. Um, there's a, um, another... Um, Event where, um, well, yes, I mean, it, it, it was um, the if you look at the what if the tailings dam failed, you have the footprint of failure. So you can calculate now quite easily what would be affected if your, your tailings dam failed catastrophically, um, what would be affected around it. You can measure that now quite easily. Um, I the example where the Tainings Dam was in such a remote location that nobody even considered the, the knock-on, the consequential, the collateral damage it may cause until the what-if, the wargaming scenario, established that a catastrophic failure would wipe out the worker accommodation on the site. Um, now, 
you know, I'm pretty sure, well, I know that neither of those events appeared on any risk register. So um, it, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's something to consider, to, to alert boards to. You won't have covered all your risks, I guarantee it, and a, and a, a what-if type of wargaming scenario um, carried out independently um, will, I'm quite sure, highlight some risks that you hadn't taken into account. So those are some examples from the you know, top of my head, if you like, as to how you would conform to the GISTM principles. Yeah. Um, Ian, do you want to contribute anything to that question? Uh, no, I mean, I, 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 we can talk a bit about our solution. I mean, we, we, we've aligned what we do with the principles and we, 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 we don't address all of them because some of them are outside of what we can do. Um, but we certainly address more of them than, than we believe any, any other solution out there. So, so we're told. Um, uh, but we're very clear, clear that that's, what we, that's the exam question. And if you can say, well, I'm helping you comply with the principles, you will then be giving assurance to investors and insurers and, and so on. Yeah. So what technologies are sort of out there that can help addressing uh, these solutions? Um, well, there's a wealth of technology out there available now. Um, there are in-the-ground sensors, uh, piezometers, inclinometers, that sort of thing that will measure liquefaction, slope stability, what have you. Uh, there are remote sensors, satellite-based sensors, LIDAR technology, uh, INSAR technology that will help monitor beach widths and things and will also monitor the ESG risks, so growth of communities that might be in the path of something. So there's a huge amount out there. The, the challenge is to link it together into a, into and integrate that data into an easily digestible and presentable format. And there's a couple of companies out there doing that. Um, we know of three, and we're one of them. Um, we think we did it rather better than everybody else. But the point is, that's what you need to do. You've got to you've got to have the technology, and it sounds easy, but actually, it's quite complex. And it has to be an open architecture, so you have to be able to attract. You'll be able to link it to all potential sensors. You need to be able to capture historical data, and you need to be able to journal the data because what insurance, for example, want to see is a track record. They want to see the risk improving. They want to see evidence that this risk is being understood and managed. And most importantly, the technology needs to be put within a risk management wrapper. So the way we do it is we work with WSP, who now own Golders, who will do the risk validation. Uh, they'll work with the engineer record if there is one. Uh, and we, we work very closely with engineers of record around the world. Uh, and we're, we're rolling this out in South Africa at the moment. Um, to, do, to validate the technical risks and to understand the ESG risks. So once you've understood the risks to the dam, you can then design the technology to, 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 to monitor those risks. And that will, that will tell you what uh, sensors you need, what sorts of sensors, where you need to put them. Um, it will tell you what the, the triggers are that will set off alarms and, and set up the sensor regime. So it's very much a risk management approach. It's not just going in and linking up the company's current sensors, which may or may not be okay, or just putting sensors in where you think you need them. It's a very systematic, planned, uh, and collaborative uh, uh, team effort. And I say we're, we're, we're doing it in a platinum mine in South Africa as we speak at the moment. Um, and then you've got the linkages to the investors, to the regulators, to the, um, to the insurance markets. And in fact, the Chilean regulator has been telling us that they will require to see that monitoring data. So the company's not only got to put it in, they've got to make it available. But if you're using a cloud-based, edge-based technology system like we do, you can make that available to anybody. 
when the dashboard is is customized for that particular facility or that particular client, showing that they or their regulators or their insurers want to see in the way they want to see it. Uh, and we can, we, can, we can present that however you want to see it. Um, so the technologies are there. It's it, the, the challenge is to, is, is, to, is, to, is, to, is to bring them together, integrate them, and also make sure they're working within this, what I call a risk, a risk wrapper, if that makes sense. Yeah. Edward, do you want to say anything around the, the technologies? Uh, no, I, I uh, only to say that uh, I, I wish um, that kind of technology had been available um, when I was CEO of the, mine, of the mining company. The thought of being able to wake up in the morning and have a look at your tailings dam is quite attractive. And you could look at many other things on the mine, of course, at the same time. But, the, but from a tailings dam um perspective it would be quite reassuring i think to see that the parameters were were being um, um properly monitored and properly uh, properly controlled rather than wait for a, a month end report from somebody that had probably changed the slant a little bit of the reporting that they were doing well, so I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about um uh, uh, rob we're talking about moving from a once a year survey uh, to a 24 7 monitoring regime um, and the other important point is the communications. I mean, our system, uh, we work with a company called Insight Terra, and they've been spun out of Inmarsat, who've developed, and this technology has proven it, it's monitoring landslides in Norway as we speak. Uh, it's actually installed on the Kielder Dam in, in Northumberland, those that, those that know that. Um, but the point is, is that if necessary, if, if the local 4G or whatever can't support it, if we can access the Inmarsat satellite system, and I don't think there's another system that does that. So we've looked at a dam in the DRC. We had very poor comms. Well, that's where you would use the satellite system. So you've got really robust communications. You're not reliant on uh, local communications, which could be subject to power outages or, or anything else. Okay. Um, and what questions should mining companies, sort of executive management directors, um, senior executives, be asking their management teams, uh, uh, obviously, about the team's management? Yeah, well, speaking from a, a non-executive director's point of view, I think um, the sort of questions I would be asking would be, I think I would be asking them to provide me with a, um, a detailed plan as to how they were continuously monitoring TSF parameters, which is, I, is now a requirement. How are you doing it? Um, show me. Um, I think I would ask, to know uh, specifically who's responsible for that and for their TSF management and to what extent they're empowered, uh, to whom do they report and um, how frequently do they report to the board, I guess. Um, I would ask um, what steps are being taken to ensure communication, um, communication with and support from local communities. What is the mechanism? How do you do it? Who does it? Um, how often do they do it? Um, I think I would ask specifically who is the engineer of record uh, and what reports have they produced to date? I see them. Um, I think I would also um, ask whether we've undertaken um, any independent review of our TSF risks. Um, how often is the risk register reviewed? 
would be a good question. And to what extent do our insurance policies reflect these risks? Is there a match between insurance policy and risk? We found, Ian will confirm, uh, in cases we've been involved in, there's a complete mismatch where risks have not been mitigated or risks have been mitigated that didn't exist or weren't really a risk or whatever, but there was a mismatch. Um, and I would certainly ask for a plan of um, the collateral damage, the potential collateral damage that would be affected by a TSF failure. Um, and I would ask for a detailed emergency response plan to that. Uh, how will you deal with it? Um, and I think slightly more nebulous, but I think that the I've been looking for evidence um, that there was actually a culture within the company, a culture of, of learning, and that there was uh, adequate communication within the company of sort of early problem recognition uh, and the reporting channels and the whistleblower protection, all quite important, I think. And then a, a final question, maybe think of it. Whilst Ian was talking, uh, I'd probably be quite interested to know whether my DNO cover, my director and officer's cover, uh, included TSF risk, because I'd be, I'd be very, very disturbed if it didn't. Um, the, uh, the, the the incident I referred to earlier on, um, which resulted in the criminal prosecution, was entirely funded by the DNO cover insurance. Mm. Um, so if you don't have that, there are some big bills out there. Mm. Um, those are the questions that spring to mind, Rob. Yeah. Ian, would you have any other questions that um, executive managers, directors should be asking asking their senior management team and especially the tailings uh, management team? Well, uh, I think uh, Edward's given the, 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 the NED uh, perspective really, really well. Um, I would say people like uh, chief risk officers, people like that should be, should be drilling into this and saying, is the current regime or once-year inspection sufficient anymore? Um, is, it, is it fit for purpose? I would suggest it's not. And if it isn't, what are you doing about it? Um, are you reaching out to companies like ours to say, you know, uh, how, how, how can we help? Um, some companies are trying to build their own technology. Well, that's great. Uh, and their IT departments may think they can crack it. It's actually pretty complicated. I mean, the, the, the technology we use, Insight Terrorist technology, has been de developed by Inmarsat over many years. So it's not a thing to be done lightly. Um, and we would say, well, it's out there, it's developed, it's mature, it's in place. But, you, know, you have to save yourself a lot of work and leverage that. Um, perhaps we would say that, wouldn't we? But we think it's very true. Yeah. And with, obviously, with these issues and with the Tailings Dam industry or that part of mining, do you think there's a lack of knowledge or incompetencies um, or even some people are not aware of the risks that, they could be involved in around their tailings dams. What what would what are you seeing as a I suppose a common a common thread um, if you're analysing th that whole part of the mining industry that around the tailings dams? Should I go on that, Edward? Well, I think yes. I, it's I think it's in two levels again. I, I really do think that the majors. Major miners are very much aware of the risks, and uh, and and I think that they're taking great steps towards uh, um, complying with the ASTM and EMA standards. Um, and and if you read the sustainability reports of the major mining companies, 
you would get some comfort from that. There are there are we mentioned before, and I think this is where strategic can help. But um, generally speaking, I, I I don't think you could level the charge of incompetence or or lack of knowledge to any of the major mining companies. With the much smaller companies, with the myriad smaller companies, I I think they're only just becoming aware of the. Uh, the the, uh, the the potential risks that they face, I mean, I was always t- taught from the beginning that environmental risks stay with you forever. You can't you can't sell an environmental risk; it, it will stay with you. If you if you if you commit some dreadful environmental crime, you will it will catch up with you. Um, and I think that there is probably um, a lot of work to be done uh, and on the the junior miners and the would-be miners, the startup miners, um, on all the issues we've just been discussing now. Um, and there, there will be a, 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 an awareness of, uh, of all these issues. So I think it's the two levels. I think the majors uh, would not, are not incompetent and they are very much aware of it. But the junior miners are not incompetent, but I think they're probably not aware as to the extent that they should be. Of these yeah. issues, yeah. I, I, I agree. The big the big companies we work with are acutely aware of this. Um, I wouldn't say they've necessarily got it right, but they're certainly trying. Um, I think it's a different ball game when we get to the mid tiers and 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 below. Um, it's partly a matter of resources. The big guys have got the resources to sort this out. Smaller companies don't. But on the other hand, I would say, I mean, our, our own solution is not costly in the scheme of things. When you look at the liabilities involved. And it may well be that you know it's going to uh, 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 the next the next failure that happens to mid tier is probably going to uh, certainly a listed mid tier is probably going to wipe the company out, and that might just sort of you know it might it might take that to make people wake up and smell the coffee. Um, but I think in, investor pressure will drive it as well. I mean, this cost of capital issue, people are going to realise if they don't have a plan to manage trading safely, they're just not going to attract the investment for their for their projects. Yeah. Um, so as a conclusion, and I suppose um, Ian can probably answer this, just as a conclusion, just wondered if you can uh, give us a, a, an overview, especially what kind of services that you do provide. Um, and I suppose the challenges um, the industry will face moving forward. Sure. No, thanks, Rob. Well, we have a solution. We call it Tames Protect. We, we need a consortium with, with WSP, who now include Golders, with Insight Terror. And, and actually, uh, McGill Partners, insurance brokers, uh, although you don't have to be insured with McGill, um, they can help in other ways. Um, uh, and we provide this integrated risk-based solution um, where we provide the risk validation, we provide the, the monitoring, uh, the technology, we can, put the, we can put the monitors in place, we can buy them for you. If you've got them already, we can hook them up to the dashboard and the cloud base, uh, uh, put the data in the cloud, provide the dashboard, uh, and we can link into the insurance markets to... to to have those negotiations and demonstrate that the risks are managed. So uh, that, that's what we're doing and how we're doing it. Um, and if people want to uh, ask our advice on managing their tailings risk, you know, please please give us a call. Yes, certainly. Um, Ian and uh, Edward, really appreciate your time. In um, give us an overview of this very important subject. Um, and like, like obviously, one of the last questions I ask is it incompetences? Is it awareness of, of the of the risks involved? Um, and I think you've actually highlighted um, a lot of important information. So I suppose anyone that is listening, appreciate if you can pass this uh, this um, podcast episode on to all all people within the mining industry, whether you're 
solely directly affected by a tailing or not. Um, I think everyone in the mining industry needs to be aware of this and and just, I suppose, more discussions need, need to be have um, around around an operation. And obviously, the senior management, obviously, if they're not aware, need to be made aware. Um, so I appreciate anyone that is listening um, to, um, to pass this uh, episode on, share it with other people um, within your company and within your industry. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to to you, to you guys, how can they go about doing that um, and any social media platforms that you may be on? Uh, go to our website, please, www.shahedraworldwide.com. Uh, drop us a line or, or call us up. Uh, we're on the contact page. Yeah, no worries. Okay, really appreciate your time, Ian Edward. Thank you uh, for that content. Um, and for those that are listening, um, as I mentioned, appreciate if you can share this episode amongst your colleagues and um, industry peers. And until Pleasure. next time, and until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.